0: Welcome. Welcome to CCSC. I'm Harold, one of the pastors, and we've been going through the gospel of Mark, and we arrive now at Mark chapter 9, verses 14 to 29. Mark chapter 9, I'll begin reading it for us, starting at verse 14. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, What are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father, the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. By anything but prayer. That's the title. Anything but prayer. So today, you and I have got a world of needs. Some are mild, mundane, daily needs. Some of you have been going through very significant, more desperate kinds of needs. What is it that you and I tend to do With our needs or with the range of needs that we deal with, we can do a world of things to try to relieve ourselves of these needs. Jesus here demonstrates and teaches, just like his own disciples, we can try anything but prayer. But only in prayer, the power of God is at work, not ours. Yes, we can try anything but prayer. You and I just can keep trying anything and everything else but prayer. But Jesus shows and teaches nothing else but but prayer. And in prayer is the power of God at work instead of ours. Let me just set up the context briefly. In the first portion of Mark chapter 9... It takes place on top of a mountain. Jesus takes his three closest disciples, Peter, James, and John, and he is transfigured before them. You will hear about this glorious transfiguration next Sunday. But back to this first half of chapter 9. After he is transfigured, these three disciples caught a glimpse of Jesus' true identity. And he, his identity is more transcendent. The text tells us it was more radiant. It was brighter than the strongest bleach can produce. Moses and Elijah, who is on the Mount Rushmore of every devout Jew, appeared alongside Jesus Christ in his transfiguration. But Jesus alone is announced and approved by a voice from heaven. This is my beloved son, Listen to him. Alongside Moses and Elijah, Jesus is singled out with final and ultimate authority. And whereas Moses and Elijah disappear, Jesus remains and stands alone. Jesus outshines them all. Now, this was definitely better than any mountain high type of experience, any kind of religious experience you and I could have ever had, to be sure. I I do remember when I was serving as a counselor at a high school retreat, moved by the Spirit of God, I ran out onto a snow-covered field, a field up there in Big Bear, and I didn't know that hours had passed on by, but it was unmistakable that this peace-giving, hope-filling presence of God met me there. I think I've also mentioned to you Toward the tail end of last year, during my sabbatical, I hiked up a little mountain. And on that mountaintop, I felt and sensed the smile of God upon me. These are exquisite. They are sublime. They're, they're unforgettable mountain high experiences because of the presence of God. But here in this passage, the Followers or the students, we call them disciples of Jesus Christ, must come back down from the mountain to the world below. In fact, Jesus takes them back down. Back down into a noisy, crowded, chaotic, conflicted, tormented world. Even with demonic activity here. Up from the mountain and how vital and needed it is. An experience with the living God. If you remember in the sermon entitled, Everybody's Looking for Jesus, we learned that Jesus himself regularly withdrew from the crowds, from the chaos, from the noise, from the constant demand, or else he himself wouldn't last in his ministry. And as vital and essential and regular as that is, to be on that mountaintop, to be with our God, To sense and soak in his reality and his smile upon us. Back down the mountain. Back down here to the world below. Jesus takes us. Because there's a world of need. A world of pain. And here in particular, Jesus comes down to cure a demonized boy in agony. Now after Jesus does deliver this boy... From demonic activity, his own disciples ask him privately with much embarrassment. Why couldn't we gas it out? Evidently, they had tried their best. Uh, Jesus, why didn't it work? Why couldn't we do what you did? Here was Jesus's answer. This kind, verse 29, cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. So just two parts we're going to focus our attention upon. Two parts, this kind, and then the second part will be anything but prayer. First, this kind. We got to look at this kind of situation more closely. Mart Lloyd Jones, one of my favorite writers and preachers in a collection of sermons, unpacks this passage as if you look upon this particular boy as representative of our present. Pains, our present problems, or the condition of this present world, and then he says, "I want." He he frames uh, our, our lens to look upon the disciples as now look at the followers. This represents the church. The boy represents our present world. The disciples, followers of Jesus, oftentimes represent the church. And for the church to adequately relieve and meet the needs of our world. Jesus first points out, you had better be able to tell the difference between this kind of problem versus that kind. In order for the church to adequately meet people in their needs, and to hopefully bring about God's miraculous relief and healing from it, you got to differentiate this kind from that kind. Why? Why? Here's what's crucial. In the background story of these very same disciples, according to Luke chapter 10, they had succeeded in casting out demons before. Oh, yes, make no mistake. Chronologically, Luke chapter 10, that incident, the demons were, I mean, the disciples were ecstatic that they had overcome and triumphantly cast out demonic powers and spirits. So I would venture to guess by Mark chapter 9, They had a sort of um, a cockiness. You know, they had previous experience under their belt. They were confident. They're pretty self-assured. Oh, we can do that. We've done it before. We can do it this time, I'm sure. And yet they utterly failed. Why? Why? Jesus points out, you had better be able to tell the difference between that kind of problem That kind of opposition, that kind of hostility, that kind of setback, that kind of pain. Maybe in the past, how different that is from this one right here in Mark chapter 9. This one that you and I go into today. A present problem. One of my dear groomsmen, whom I love along with his entire family, is a son who has been suffering grand mal seizures And I get sometimes a front row seat to see the life and the glory of God shine through. The son, the sister, the mom, and the dad. How I love them so. And how moved I am by their faith. But this does not even pale. It pales in comparison to what God must be doing in their lives. And how God loves them so. You know commentators think that, well, you know the description of this convulsions and foaming at the mouth and having these kinds of episodes. It looks like severe epilepsy. There's no difference. This is just a seizure from severe epilepsy. Not so. Once again, Mark, the author, and Jesus knows the difference. Look at verse 22. Have you ever seen someone go through epilepsy epilepsy in this way? Quote, it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Know the difference. Know the difference, this kind versus that kind. Uh, You and I, of course, myself, we can be so ready and eager to go about, do something about it. You know, get solution focused, solution based, get practical, get our hands dirty. So we fail to assess, listen, learn, lament, diagnose what kind of issue or problem, this really is to begin with. You know, depression is not simply about diets. Anxious, fearful hearts is not just the absence of faith. Anger isn't always sinful. Some of your struggles in mind, some of your filters, the way you interpret and look at life, are lifelong. They've been there forever. As this boy, he says, the father says he suffered like this from childhood. But Jesus, of course, comes to meet and love you no less. A demonized boy here in Mark chapter 9 is cured and ministered to differently than the man in Mark chapter 9 who was plagued by a legion of demons. You see, Jesus is infinitely powerful, but immensely personal. Jesus knows exactly what kind he is dealing with. Do you? Do I? This kind, this kind. What is this kind? It dawned on me this past week, preparing this message for Mark chapter 9 that this was, in fact, the very first message I gave to the English ministry of Shredo's Presbyterian Church when I first was called to become your pastor. This was in June 2007, so I went back and dug up my old notes. Quote, during that message, I shared this. My family and I are thrilled to be here. We are so thankful for God's leading and His pleasure, and at the same time, we're filled with desperation Because what this church needs most is not in us, but in God. Yes, I felt your need, my neediness, my family's neediness. Oh, I felt it in 2007. But can I be honest with you? I feel a different, even deeper type of neediness now in 2021. As you know, a global pandemic has struck. It's brought our favorite word now. So many unprecedented things. Can I offer a window since we're talking about a passage where the disciples represent the church, the disciples represent the followers and the leaders and servants of his church, and how so often we are unable to meet the needs of this world. Can I apply it in this way? Give you a window into do you know how many pastors right now feel just like the disciples here? So frustrated, so discouraged, defeated. And I have more than stats now, just in my own little network of friends. They have been and are leaving in droves, maybe post-pandemic. Breaks my heart. Well, I was listening to the seminar, which of course interests me most of all topics now. is titled, How to run with endurance in ministry. This was taking place at the Gospel Coalition Conference live stream. And, of course, I tuned in. And there were four pastors on the panel, many of them older than I am, far more experienced and far more gifted. And down to the last man, each of them shared. At one point or another, they all felt an enormous fatigue, an overburdened condition. And which so often, as a lead pastor, you feel like, Every issue, every problem, everything weighs on you. It rides on you. And one pastor in particular went on to share this. He said this last year, during the pandemic, he received more negative emails and criticism than all of his past 15 years combined. Because of all the political, social, cultural, even divisions that are happening among close friends and family members, combined this with COVID restrictions, constantly changing, loss and suffering and death without a clear precedence of right versus wrong. And so often he found himself in lose-lose situations. In other words, there's nothing that the pastor or the church could do right in that situation. There's going to be a cost. Now, to be clear, I do not share this. To suggest that anyway, I share the same specific type of frustrations or hurts today. Nor, I'm also happy to share this, do I find myself in the same weary condition that led to my sabbatical last year. Oh, but I've been there in general. How every leader, shepherd, disciple, follower of Christ has felt at some point. If you have followed him faithfully long enough. Wow. This is a lot harder and way more than I can handle. And here's what happens. Here's what happened to me. It's called burnout. Burnout. Just you lose all motivation. Joy's gone. You have no energy to even go about doing some basic things of life. It's a scary condition. But it's actually a gift. I believe burnout is an is a intervening move of God. God. Because just in my short episode, which you allowed and prayed over me, which is so, so powerful, is you begin to realize your limitations. I realized, and I'm still realizing, wow, how many weaknesses, limitations I really have and I bring to the table no matter where I go. And then now how I need to practice and put into practice healthier biblical patterns of ministry, like Sharing the load. I cannot tell you how excited I am and relieved I am. It's a game changer that we have launched the Shepherding Groups Ministry here at CCSC. Which our promise and commitment to every member of this church is that you will be known and prayed for by name on a regular basis. And you can contact an elder pastor at any time if you find that need. And most of all, what I've been realizing... Is that while people and problems are never easy, in fact, they don't get easier, and neither do I? But there is this neediness, there's just this constant needfulness that I've been getting to feel and sense in such a more genuine and deeper way. I'm just driven into prayer. Oh, my friends, you know, you know how many messages and how many talks and how many encouragements and how many warnings I've given to other people about you should pray. And I grew up in the Asian church where our parents and grandparents offer this most powerful legacy to us. I don't know what's become of this legacy where they first came to the Lord in prayer. I tell you the truth. It's just nice things to hear. But until you feel it down to your bones. And you'll feel like you can't get through the day, morning, afternoon, or evening. And it becomes a non-negotiable neediness that just flows out of you. Then, then and only then, it becomes something so sweet, so vital, and strengthening. Oh, back to this boy. Back to this boy. I hope what I shared a little bit about myself in pastors provokes you to, you know what? But back to this boy, back to our loved ones, back to family members, back to friends, back to your pressing problems or worries. We can do a world of things, but leave the boy as miserable as before, if not even worse. So we got to get to the second part. First is this kind, this kind. There are altogether different Deeper, darker, maybe more difficult kinds, sometimes that are from childhood, lifelong, lifelong. Jesus knows this about you, and he deals accordingly with you. Do you? Do you? Second part. Only way to drive it out. Only way to bring about the move of God. That healing, relieving hand of God is anything but prayer. In other words, nothing else but prayer. You can try everything else, but prayer, but nothing else works. Jesus cries aloud, exasperated and disappointed. Can you hear it? Can you hear it here in verse 19? Oh, faithless generation. How long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. Jesus is more than suggesting here, you know, disciples, you you could have taken care of this. You could have delivered him from this demon, but bring him to me because uh, you're faithless. Now, who is faithless? What does faithless mean? According to Jesus, faithless means to do and try everything else but prayer. As Corey Ten Boom once put it, Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? In more difficult, distressing seasons of life, and for many of us, it has been this whole last year, what do you do? What can you do? I'm asking you to consider, what's your MO? You read more about it. Figure out ways to solve it, outwork it, overpower it, force your way through it. You try everything possible to manage it or master it. Some of you run away from it, ignore it, drown it. Some of you just want to throw more money at it, get the newest, latest tactic or trend to solve it. Maybe you just need more R&D, better tech, more medicine. Yes, so be it for many, many Issues and problems and pains. These are God's gifts. That can bring healing. But not this kind. My friends hear me loud and clear. Not this kind. Not that kind that you're going through. Not certain kinds. And according to Jesus. Anything but prayer. Anything but prayer. Just won't work. Now, listen, there's many occasions as your pastor and in my relationships, um, there were such painful, conflicted, you know, just entangled situations where I just wanted to give up because I found no no way out. Many occasions like this. It's like, welcome to ministry because this is a people, people business. So as a last resort, all I could do about it was pray. I mean, actually, I was fearful of trying to touch it in any way or talk into it because it was just so volatile and raw. Like I felt like anything I did might, might just make it worse or backfire. So it's almost like I know the options, but just take some time to pray. I did. And lo and behold, God does things far better And he does things that I never could have. I mean, I'm talking about situations that are so unimaginably turned around. Or there's some kind of resolution or escape hatch that appears. And I look at it and I say, that is something that I know was just not from me, my hand, or anyone could have thought of. It It was just a move of God. Now, certainly I'm not saying that it turned out immediately to everyone's liking, even including my own, but just with the vantage point of two, three, five years down the road, I look back at some of these most, most tense situations and look at how God brought about a resolution to it. And even with the hindsight of five years, I'm like, that is far more beautiful and better than I could have ever done with that my friends here's a question what do you think happens in a hundred years and do you know what happens when you come into prayer you try anything and everything else but pray but finally you come down fall on your knees and you really realize oh nothing else really works not for this kind and then you begin to pray and then you just continue to pray and you got no other options you got no other out so you just keep praying you just keep praying and when you pray you begin to believe and experience that God has a much longer game with higher stakes and he's determined and guaranteed to succeed, to bless you, to make you more like his son, Jesus Christ, and to even save and maybe bless many around you. Some of you might listen in. I just have great, great doubts about praying and all this kind of spiritual stuff. Does it really work? Does it really work? Again, I'm just like, you know, when you get like smacked across the face and life just beats you down and you don't know where else to turn, can I encourage you? What else you got to lose? Look at the father of this boy. Jesus, help my unbelief. Help me. If you say, I have grave doubts, I have really trouble believing that prayer really works. Look at the Father. He says, Jesus, help my unbelief. Translation, I have a hard time believing. But here is the marvel. If you I have a hard time believing, do you know that's the best reason to pray? You just come to Jesus and say, I don't believe you. I have a hard time believing you. And I'm going to come to you and tell you that. And then lo and behold, what Jesus loves to do is he loves to hear and answer every single prayer that's directed at him. Because here is the wonder of Jesus Christ. He does not count how much faith you have. He's not concerned with the amount of faith that you have. All he's concerned is just come to me. Bring him to me. Just bring your unbelief even. Your struggling, wavering, small mustard seed of faith. And see what Jesus can do with that. Some others of you are. Again just too busy. Too distracted. And too undisciplined to pray. Or some of you maybe just never prayed at all. Listen prayer. Is a result. Of a healthy relationship. With a living and loving God. God my two full-grown teenage daughters, Taylor and Elizabeth, still talk and share things with their mom and dad, mostly with their mom, Sonny. With me, it's uh, usually because they need something or they want to make fun of me. But I'm still so thankful. They still talk and share. And we have communication lines that I think are pretty dang good. So grateful for this. As Taylor goes out to college this fall, Been thinking maybe too often about this, like imagining what if all contact is lost, she never comes back, I lose her. Just, you know, pitiful, pitiful sad thoughts. But what I wouldn't do, what I wouldn't do to reestablish all contact or communication with my own daughters, whom I love so much from the heart. And you know, this is what Jesus came down to do. This is why Jesus Christ came down from the mountain into our very broken world here down below. He had never tasted suffering. He had never been left alone by the Father before, but he ended up tormented, crying out, agonizing while he was nailed to a cross. My friends, Jesus Christ died on a cross for our sins, not just to show you solidarity, that he's with you in whatever you go through, but to save you, Save you from that contactless, non-communicative, unmoved, distant, barren, just hole that stands between you and God. Jesus was left alone and he was cut off so that his father in heaven, God, might establish a relationship and contact with you. And he is the one that really delivers and meets the deepest kinds of needs. Oh, the deepest. You know, the soul-bearing, life-hinging, life-changing type of needs. How are you guys doing these days? What kind of needs do you have? Do you even know Jesus does, and he tells us anything but prayer, anything but prayer, it won't work. Hey, my friends, how long do we have to keep going? Has it worked? Will it ever work? Now, Jesus is the one you need. I need more than anything or anyone else in the world. And do you know the most potent, precious, personal thing Jesus Christ himself does and offers to do for you even now, according to the book of Hebrews? He's praying for you. And this is why Robert McShane once exclaimed, If I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. He is praying for me. Can you hear him pray for you? Do you want to sense him praying for you? Do you want Jesus to meet you in this kind of need? Go meet him in prayer. Go meet him in prayer. And see what he does. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven... We thank you, you give us your word, you give us your spirit, you give us a church. You give us even this ability to connect online so that we might worship together. And of course today, Lord, we pray and thank you most of all, you give us prayer. You hear and you welcome and you love every prayer that is brought to you in Jesus' name. So Lord, I pray you would do your work. Unleash your power, pour out your love, grant your peace. Oh, bring about your ministry in ways none of us can produce or offer. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.